Please turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. We're going to be focusing in uh, uh, chapter 2, verses 2 through the first part of verse 4. But I'll read 1 through 4. I want to say thank you so much for your kindness and generosity and, um, and that gift. I've been really blessed um, already by your kindness, and um, so thank you. Titus 2, and I'll read verses 1 through 4. The Word of God says, But as for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the younger women, the young women, to love their husbands and children. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, that you give us your word, and your word is truth, and it applies with precision to our lives. You, your word is, is true, and it, and it, and it works. It works in every facet, every area of life. Um, and as we look at how your word, how doctrine applies to older men and women, Father, I ask that your word would shine forth, that it would uh, be challenging and encouraging. We would see your, your purpose and your design in the world, how it's good, that we would love it and affirm it. But above all, God, we would use the gifts that you've given us to glorify you to point to you and, and, be, and bless the church. May all of us hear and learn, even, even young ones here, God, may we all learn from your word. Help me, help me, God, to, to say what is true and what is edifying and, and, uh, and what will uh, bless your people today, God. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So in chapter 2, Paul, he's teaching the kinds of behavior that fit or accord or surrender to the sound doctrine of God. That's what we talked about last week. That sound doctrine is true teaching from the Bible. Um, and the most fundamental one in the Bible is the, is the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ, his, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his resurrection from the dead, and his reigning um, over all things, which gives us hope, the hope of eternal life. Um, the gospel, it's the doctrine of all doctrines because God, uh, Jesus, he is God in the flesh. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. It's also the most important because your salvation, hope, your access to God is solely through Christ. No one comes to God except through Jesus. So if you want to know God and you want to know what God wants and you want to live for God, the most important life-changing thing you can do is to surrender to the gospel of Jesus Christ, trusting him to save you from your sins. As Paul teaches, though, he's going to apply the sound doctrine of the church very specifically. He's going to 
uh, have t- uh, Titus arrange his teaching uh, by age, gender, life situation throughout verses uh, one through ten. And so, in two, in this section here, he, there's two groups of pe- or two groups within the church, and they have a shared trait of their age, and they have um, a unique trait of their their gender. And I think that's intentional. Um, we don't know the exact description um, of age. It's a very unique word in the Bible. But um, I think if for, for our purposes we can see uh, the, the, the age reference is for those who are more mature and it's a little, as opposed to those who are less mature in life, specifically in, in lived experience. And I think he does this for a purpose to show that your lived experience, your, the, the way that God has made you, has a purpose in God's church. It's not unimportant. In other words, when God saves you, his teaching doesn't flatten everybody out so that your life experiences, your circumstances, your roles, the roles God has given you by natural design, the way he's made you, he doesn't make them now useless and meaningless. Uh, God uses age, he uses lived experience within his world and within his church, he redeems age. He redeems lived experience to be a display of his glory. So if you picture a a block of marble and there's a sculptor who is working on that marble, when that block of marble becomes a statue, it it hasn't lost the qualities of the minerals that make the marble up. It still has those qualities. They're just being used by the craftsmen to make a beautiful masterpiece. So too, I think, age and lived experience don't lose its purpose. It doesn't lose its purpose in an older person's life when they've been transformed by the power of the gospel. So the goal this morning is to show why Paul speaks about um, age and, that he sh- and to show that he speaks about it purposefully. It's not just random. And to show how sound doctrine, how t- teaching transforms your years, transforms lived experience to glorify God in your age. And in order to do that, I want to talk about age, the purpose for age that God has placed in the world, um, and that it's a quality we should honor. That's a biblical quality. Um, and then we're going to end with the application, which is this passage. The, the, the application is this passage. See how, um, the, how the gospel applied to an older person, an older man, an older woman, uh, woman, um, how, how it transforms them to be a great model of stability. There's nothing particularly unique about these commands. Um, all, uh, most of them have already been either directly referenced or implied to elders. Um, so the, other than the, the teaching of, of that women are to do to younger women, every single one of them is a model to apply to your life right now, no matter where you are. So I want to see how they specifically apply within the life of an older person. So let's talk about age and think about a biblical view of age. I would say in in a sentence that age in the Bible, it's important, but it's not ultimate. It's important because God commands us to honor um, our elders or older people that are older than us. It's commanded in the home. It's the fifth commandment. You shall honor your father and mother. 
It's commanded in the community. Um, in Leviticus 19.32, um, it says, You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. You shall fear your God. So it's commanded in the home. It's commanded in the community. And the principle that comes from this, or if you ask yourself, why? Why does, is this arbitrary? Why does God command this? The principle is, first, that there's a general creation understanding that the life of the young comes from the old. The life of the young comes from the old. And in Proverbs, it's explicitly stated in Proverbs 23, it says, um, listen to your father who gave you life and honor and don't despise your mother when you are old. There's, a, there's an understanding that the life of the young comes from the old. And it's a, it's, a, it's a picture for us of God's rule, God's sovereign rule over all of us. Our life is not come from ourselves but it comes from God. I know we mock, the, in our culture, we, we mock age. Um, okay, boomer, that's a trope used to, to mock elders or belittle the opinions of an older generation. But it, when, when we are honest, even in our culture, when we're honest, we know matru- maturity, age, lived experience is very valuable. Um, you don't want a fresh medical student brain surgeon. You want the one with the experience. There's a reason the President of the United States has to be 35. We value and trust experience. And that's the second reason. The second reason age is important is, and why we should honor the age is because there's a general principle that as you grow, you, you mature. Experience comes from age. We know that a negative example in the Bible, there's a king named Rehoboam, and he um, was a fool. He was a young man, uh, his son of, a, of the king Solomon, and when he took over for Solomon, the people came to him and they said, will you please lighten our burdens and be a kind king to us? And he went to two different types of counsel. He went to the old men who were his father's counselors, and they said, you should listen. You should listen. You should be kind. To, to your people. But then he went to his buddies, and his buddies said, you shouldn't listen. You actually should exercise your dominance over them. And he chose to listen to his young buddies and caused a, a split in the kingdom that, that did not recover. He was a fool because he did not listen to the experience of those older men. Fool me once, the shame goes on you. But if you fool me twice... Where does the shame fall? Me. Because I should know better. You fooled me once. Experience benefits decision making. I shouldn't be fooled again. Now, how do we know that Paul is highlighting the importance of age in this passage? Because he doesn't say anything specifically. He doesn't say you should honor that, that th- these are honorable qualities specifically, how do we know that he isn't just arbitrarily addressing these groups? So here's the first group of old, it's like A through M, old people, N through Z, young people, because right after this he's going to talk to young people. How do we know that it's, there's a purpose when he talks about age? I think there's two reasons. The first one is in this passage. Um, right after establishing church leaders, who's the first group of people he addresses? He establishes church leaders in chapter 1. He refutes the errors of the, of the false teachers. And then the first group he addresses is these older people. And then also, if you look at the behaviors that he calls them to live out, these older folk, 
they um, provide a, a, a model, a, a lifestyle of stability for the church. Look at the qualities of older men. It's, it's way more explicit in, in, in older women, but, but men are to be dignified. What kind of a quality? That, that quality, worthy of respect, is a, is a type of a quality that people should see and revere. It's, it's, it's something for people to model and, and observe. They should be super, sober, sober-minded, clear-headed, self-controlled, not losing themselves. And then the last quality, the soundness. Sound in faith, sound in love, in steadfastness. Be a rock. Be a rock for others to um, imitate, to hold on to when you're struggling Hold on to. But it's very explicit in, in women. It's, they are teachers, right? They live as models of reverent behavior, models of discipline, and then they're actually teaching. They're, they're sharing with, with um, younger women their, what they have learned. They're models. And so these are qualities that should be conjured up in the life of, of older folks so that younger folk can look and li- listen to and observe and imitate. And the second reason is found outside of Titus in 1 Timothy 5. I think uh, it'll be on the screen. Uh, Paul is addressing a situation to, uh, with Timothy, and it's very similar to, t- to Titus. Timothy's a, Timothy's a pastor, and he taught him that... that um, and older, older men and older women should be honored. He says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. And then he goes on later to say, older women as mothers. So Paul understands, based on this biblical principle, that with age, the life of the old, the young comes to the old, and maturity should lead to experience, which should be modeled. And so there is a, a sense of, of honor and reverence in, in Paul's teaching. I think we can apply that. So I believe that this, this age plays a role within the body. That I think when Paul is speaking about age here in Titus, it still means something within the body of Christ. Age is important, but it's not ultimate. It's not ultimate. Why is an age ultimate? It is because of sin. Because of sin, what should be expected in the life of a person fails time and time again. Our expectation that age will lead to maturity and maturity will lead to a good model to follow, it often doesn't prove true. Because of sin, the mature will backslide. Because of sin, the older one gets, sometimes they actually can grow more insubordinate and more undisciplined and more undignified. This was the nature of some of the sin that was happening in, in Crete, if you refer to chapter 1. Because of sin, uh, Solomon and Ecclesiastes could say, better is a poor and wise youth than an old foolish king who doesn't listen to advice. Age doesn't always define maturity. Our world, and our world is filled, as we know, with people who have two to three times more life experience than the average 20 or 30 year old. And yet, that time of living has not made them more wise. So therefore, sin 
because of sin, it's not the ultimate, age is not the ultimate definer of true maturity. It's why Paul says to a young pastor, Timothy, don't let anyone despise your youth. Timothy's age did not ultimately define his maturity. And it's also why age requirements are not mentioned in elder lists. Uh, uh, Cody just read an elder list this morning, and age is not listed. It's not like the U.S. president. They can't be recently converted. They need to be mature, but it's not a decisive standard for, for church leaders. If it's not the ultimate definition of maturity, then what is? The greatest example, the greatest example of maturity in the church is found in a life surrendered to God's sound doctrine. The beauty of the gospel is that it's not restricted by age. It's not restricted by upbringing. It's not restricted by anything. There's no Jew, no Greek, no male, no female. In Christ, you are all one. In other words, the gospel, the accessibility of the gospel is um, not, not, not restricted by, in this case, specifically life experience. From the oldest believer to the youngest saint in Christ, you're standing before God is, as child. That's the ultimate definition of maturity. But now let's combine these thoughts. So if age is important but not ultimate, and ultimately the, the most important definition of maturity is sound doctrine, surrendered, a surrendered life to Christ, what happens when an older person lives a life surrendered to God's sound doctrine? what I I think happens is it becomes a wonderful display of God's sound doctrine to the church. When an older person lives a life surrendered to God, God uses their age, their lived experience to bless the church by making uh, them a powerful model of stability. Years of following, years of serving, years of trusting, a powerful model of stability in the church. Their age isn't washed away. Their um, years of experience and service to the Lord, those, those things are great testimonies. They're great guidestones for the church and especially for, for younger folk. So God shapes and he, he carves and he works in, the, in, in, in that, that person of, in their age um, to create a model um, that is to be followed, a model of Christian faithfulness. Age, lived experience, it was created by God to be a, a, na- a, a reflection, a reflection of his, his nature and his character as, as creator. God is the creator of all. We should look to him. And so he, he, de- he designed a world where people are meant to mature and model his character as they grow older so that when a young child looks to his father or when an, a young um, uh, a Christian looks to an older Christian, um, they would see qualities that don't point them to that person, don't point them to um, worship of a person, but point them to worship and serve God. 
you can live as a model of your creator and point people to him. When a person is redeemed by the gospel, they begin to grow and they begin to mature. And as they grow, they become, by God's grace, all in God's grace, they become an example to other younger people of the power of God, the power of the gospel at work in their life. And in that, the gospel redeems um, age. He redeems lived experience and he provides us. He provides us in the church with a model of God's guiding care. We see a biblical model of this in Psalm 71 and it's going to be on the screen. You don't have to turn there. Maybe write it down. The psalmist, you see a model of, of, a, of a desirable life, uh, especially someone who is, who's surrendered to God and is in their older years. Oh God, this is what the psalmist says, Psalm 71, Oh God, from my youth you have taught me and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Why does the psalmist desire God's presence? Why does the psalmist want the presence of the Lord to display the goodness of God to another generation? That is, that's the ideal. That's the biblical model. God transforming a life, using the years of experience of service to the Lord to be a display within the church of his goodness. Now what if your life doesn't fit that biblical model? If you're, um, what if you came to faith very late in life or maybe you've been to church most of your life and, 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 and have not taken Christ seriously? Is your life wasted in that, in that moment? I, I believe that by God's grace, it's not wasted. Your lived experience, the, the lived experience, the life that God has given you can still glorify the Lord. God can redeem your wasted years. So if you consider the life of, of the, we studied Ecclesiastes and it's been in my mind, we've got an older man writing and describing um, the, the way that he lived, and in Ecclesiastes 2, he describes the way that he wasted his life. And he does so, not to brag about all the wasted time he had, but to, but to show the much greater value in living a life in service to the Lord. God redeemed his wasted years, and at least in the book of Ecclesiastes, we see a biblical model of God, of God doing so, redeeming the wasted years to show the folly of the pleasure of this world. Or what if you're an old person and you desire to put your, your faith in Jesus right now? It's not too late. Even if you have breath, it's not too late. If you haven't been living for the Lord, your wasted years can still be redeemed. You can trust in Jesus even in the waning years while you still have breath. And that same grace the same grace, Christ dying on the cross for your sins, that same grace is as accessible to you as a seven-year-old 
you can trust in Christ. You may miss out on a life of faithfulness. You will miss out on that past life of faithfulness, but you do not lose the ability to testify to the wonderful grace of God right now. Even after years of of abandonment. You can be like that preacher, the preacher in Ecclesiastes, stand and saying, I tried it, I tried living for myself, and I tried going my own way, but don't buy that way. You could say to a younger person, don't buy that path. It's, it was miserable. It was a miserable path living for myself. And you can even benefit the, the church now in um, uh, uh, the life of, an, um, of a, uh, as a new Christian, a new older Christian. If you consider the testimony of, of an older Christian, someone who has been a womanizer or someone who's been uh, a slanderer or someone who's been living in the world, you know, sometimes we expect, if, if you grow up in a Christian home, your kids should, should follow the Lord and, and we almost... Um, expect that uh, to be, if a child surrenders to Christ and is baptized, well, yeah, of course, right? It's a great testimony. It's always a miracle. Salvation is always a miracle, but it is a great testimony of someone 40 or 50 or 60 years of life living outside of God's grace, living for themselves, living um, and, 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 and pursuing and, and desiring all these other things to then come to Christ. It is a great testimony and, and the glory of God shines bright in that surrender. God can redeem your years. So now, let's look and close in, in, in applying this. Age is not ultimate. It's important. It can be a great testimony to the church, it can be, you can be a great model when surrendered to the gospel. Um, so how do we apply this? Older men and women, your years redeemed by the gospel, how do you live within the church? And we'll close looking at older men and older women. So older men, you're to, you're, you, when you're submitted to sound doctrine, you are to be honorable, stable guidestones within the body. Be an honorable, stable guidestone. Be sober-minded, be sober-minded, clear-headed. As examples to the church, They must not be misunderstanding of the situation, misapplying wisdom at the inappropriate time, be sober-minded, be clear-headed, be self-controlled. It's the opposite of impulsiveness, fickleness, rashness. Older men are to be prudent and thoughtful, thinking before you speak, modeling that behavior for, for younger folk within the church. Be dignified. Live a life that's worthy of respect, that points to a God whom you serve. Not a respect based on, and this is something where we, we miss, but not a respect based on the world's definition of, of manhood or what a respectable life in the world um, should be. The world's re- definition of respect and, and, and a Christian definition of respect are not synonymous. They're not synonymous uh, in, in many ways. What should the church respect an older man? I think those three cl- closing statements toward men are, are, are very applicable. Soundness in, 
Soundness in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. That's a life worthy of respect. Be sound in faith. Put your confidence in the Lord. My confidence is in the Lord, not in my circumstances, not in the balance, uh, the, the budget, the checkbook balance. Not in myself, sound in faith, trusting in the Lord, sound in love, be sound in love. And this is something where um, I think men, we can particularly struggle and maybe why Titus is commanded. Um, we are to express our love to others. I think um, maybe, maybe it's not in other cultures, but at least for us, we have a tendency in men to desire self-sufficiency and stability and we find strength in I can do this on my own. But love is a call to look outside of yourself to the needs and to care for others. It implies working with and bearing with and caring for the flock. So find our strength, not in I'm self-sufficient, I don't need anybody, but find our strength in how can I serve? How can I love? How can I care for the flock? Love for others, and then steadfastness. Be a rock. Be a rock. Younger men are watching. Younger men are watching older men. And there's young people that are in the church that are struggling. They're not, they're not fully devoted. They, they maybe struggle with unbelief. Maybe they're submerged in a culture that is telling them right now that their faith is foolish, and not just foolish, but at odds with the culture. It's an enemy. It's backwards. There's young men getting tossed to and fro by indecision within the church. There's young men that are so addicted to whatever that may be, whether it's pornography or uh, food or making a name for themselves, too controlled by their passions that they're little good for the kingdom of God. Be a guidestone. Be a rock of stability. Help remind them that, that Jesus is better. That's what older men can do when you live a life sound in steadfastness. So older men, reflect God's sound doctrine. Reflect the goodness of God. Reflect the power of the gospel in your life by giving the church serious guidestones, serious waypoints that lead the church in faithfulness. We need this in, our, in our, our flock. And by God's grace, we have examples of this in our flock. I am personally indebted to. As for older women, older women who are submitted to God's sound doctrine should be reverent in behavior and stable teachers within the body. Let's look first at the fruit of those actions. Be reverent in behavior. Holy Set apart for God. Fearing and honoring the Lord first and foremost. In, in their actions and in their behavior, they are choosing and seeking to, to be reverent before the Lord. Not slanderers. The power of words is unfathomable. They're weapons. 
and they can be used for good or evil. You can defend sound doctrine. You can uphold the sound doctrine of God in your words, or you can slander the sound doctrine of God. And it can happen in slander of others, other men or women, slander, within the ch- slander of the church, slander of those outside the church. We can use our words to create great evil. And therefore, older women are called to, to not be that. Don't be drunks. Not enslaved to much wine. Older women um, are called to show concern for what they put in their bodies. And like all of these, th- these are not unique particularly to any age or gender or life situation. There's a cultural element that um, they believe that this was a particular addictive tendency in older women if they were staying at home. But the, the, the principle remains the same. Control and, and surrender to the Lord what you put in your body for the glory of God. Show concern for what you put in your body. And then lastly, they're to teach. So how are they to behave? They are to teach. So they train. They train through teaching what is good to young women. So they, they, they live experienced and uh, godly lives, and they can beneficially then teach um, younger women. It's a wonderful thing. This is a wonderful truth that... That God designed the church to provide multifaceted teaching. The passage doesn't say that Titus shouldn't also teach younger women. But it does imply that older women have something unique, something beneficial to teach the younger, younger women. Who, who better to teach younger women than to, specifically maybe in the, the principle of loving your husband and your children than from an older woman, an older woman who's reverent before the Lord. That's a great model for, for teaching. They're to teach younger women. And there are many women, just like young men, there are many young women in this church who need to be reminded by older women who are surrendered to the Lord that they're, where their worth is truly found. Not found in a relationship status, There's moms that need to be encouraged that their screaming child that's been up all night is not going to be their end. Very practical things that can be taught. Or maybe teaching a younger woman to love their husband who's a fool and not surrender to Christ. Many things. Older women reverent before the Lord, not slanderous, controlling their appetites, be great teachers to younger women. Just like young men, young women are in this sometimes foggy, sometimes uncertain situation of life. They need guide stones. And God has provided in his church, using the, the maturity of age, redeemed by the gospel, guidestones. People who can point younger people to the truth. And so this is a call, this passage is a call for older women to be that. Older women help point 
younger folk to the truth. Model godly behavior so that God will be glorified. And the same applies to older men. Older women reflect God's sound doctrine by giving young women that teaching guidestone, faithful living in the church. I hope this is helpful for our body as we think about what it means to apply sound doctrine to our lives and how we are to function as the body of Christ, how we are to love and serve and care for one another. The, the unifying thing in, in this passage, the unifying thing in this passage for all of us is that we have to display this. So we have to be with one another, encouraging one another, investing in one another's lives for the glory of God. That's my prayer for, for you and I for prayer for this church that we would be that display so that God would be lifted up. Let's pray. God, you are a wonder worker. You create a world in which you display your goodness and we thank you for the blessing of age and maturity and the way that, you, uh, that it can be a display of, you, of your goodness, God. Help us to live surrender to you. Help us to seek your glory in our, in our word and in our deed. In Christ's name we pray, amen.